in more ways than one. Twenty-two years earlier, I had been en route from Oxford in my somewhat battered old Volvo to take up a new job in India. It had seemed to me at the time that, rather than fly to Delhi, it might be more agreeable to drive there. A look at a good map swiftly shows that the Kachinik defile is far from being on any obvious direct route between Oxford and New Delhi. The fact that on the journey to India I eventually arrived at this particular Balkan meadow was entirely due to the liverish mood of an American friend of mine, an archivist from Washington, D.C., who had telephoned on the eve of my departure to ask if I could possibly give him a ride to Tehran. Albert Meisel, who has since died, was to become an unwitting agent in this story because of a remark he made as we drove down a motorway in southern England. Up to that point, all had been going flawlessly. As soon as I agreed to take him along, he had flown across the Atlantic, made a perfectly scheduled rendezvous with us, I was travelling with my then wife and twelve-year-old son, outside the Guardian office in London at noon on the appointed day, and we had taken off promptly to catch the three o'clock Calais packet boat. However, about an hour out of London, as we were speeding southeastward along the M2 in Kent, Albert suddenly glimpsed the towers of Canterbury Cathedral going past in a blur on the left and asked, in what I thought an unnecessarily querulous tone, why we weren't stopping to have a look. I replied with what was probably some asperity to the effect that I was in no mood for tourism, that I was in a hurry and that I wanted to catch the ferry and make Mons that night, for the simple reason that I planned to make India well before the middle of September. I knew that the roads in the Punjab would be tricky with post-monsoon mud. I planned to be at the Khyber Pass in three weeks' time. Albert grunted. This was not, he muttered, going to be the pleasure trip he had imagined. It was much the same the next day in Germany as we sped past the twin spires of Cologne Cathedral, and then again as a succession of ever-prettier Bavarian villages vanished in the rear-view mirror. Albert was sulking in the back seat, his mood becoming ever blacker. But I didn't care. I now had the bit between my teeth, and though the car was going well, the roads were said to be treacherous all through Afghanistan, and there might well be delays. In my view, there was simply no time for standing and staring. Not in this early part of the trip. But the next day, under the emollient persuasions of my wife, I backed down. I apologised for behaving like a tyrant, and, once I had looked at the maps, offered a compromise. Instead of barrelling down the main trunk highway from Vienna to Belgrade and then on to Sofia, along a series of roads of insufferable tedium, jammed with long-distance trucks and littered with speed traps, I would go to Istanbul along the scenic route. We would if all agreed, drive through the town mountains of western Austria, go through Kitzbühel and Spital to Villach, and thence to the Corinthian capital of Klagenfurt, reputed home to more ex-Nazis than anywhere else in the Teutonic world. Here I would gather later, but not back then, a careful and observant visitor could discern some vague and shrouded outlines of the coming Balkan miseries. 
The Austrians of Klagenfurt are said to display on occasion a deep distaste for their neighbour Slavs. For the Slovenes to their south are ethnically so, and demanded only a few years ago, in vain, as it happens, that their school system be segregated, since not a few Slav children had been osmotically seeded among them. But in those days the subtleties of the Balkans were quite beyond me, and all I planned was that we press on and cross the Iron Curtain, for it still existed in 1977, complete with watchtowers and barbed wire, armed guards and attack dogs deep in the dark forests of the eastern Tyrol, and spend our first night in the northern Yugoslavian town that was the spiritual capital of the Slovenes, Ljubljana. After that we would follow the line of the Dineric Alps, join the Adriatic Highway at Rijeka, and then travel at a leisurely pace down to Diocletian's old retirement city of Split, on to the great fortress of Dubrovnik.